0: Trumpet in Zion, sound on the a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. A Welcome everybody in Zion. to Lemon Call. I'm your host, sound Brother Frank. Glad to be here with you tonight and just thankful for the last few episodes we've had. Uh, If you didn't catch last week with Brother uh, Benjamin on the Book of Amos, uh, amazing broadcast. And also thank you all who have donated to the Johnson family um, who are packing up everything and they're heading to Panama, the whole family, kids and everything, uh, are going down there and they're going to spread the good news to the people in Panama and they're selling everything. They're going all in. And I just want to say, thank you, Lord, for people like that. If you wanted to donate to the, to their family, uh, if you look on our last week's episode, the link is there. And, uh, I think so far last time I checked they're up to about $1,900 and boy, they have a huge family. Go up there and check them out. Uh, Their GoFundMe page. And I'll tell you, folks, we need people who are willing to go into the heat of the battle in this hour. And I just want to say, bless the name of the Lord for people like that. Well, folks, let's jump into tonight's message with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for the blessings that you give. Thank you for the trials that we go through, Lord, knowing that it's through the fire sometimes, Lord. That we finally see Jesus, just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They saw Yeshua standing there in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, I see four, and one of them had the appearance of the Son of God. Lord, help us to see you in our trial so that we can understand that we're not alone, that you are there with us. I ask that you'd bless this message in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Well, folks, tonight's message, the return of the spirit of Elijah, it's an important message because we're living in a day where a lot of problems that we see going on, we we tend to see everything focused right here on the United States. And and folks, I believe the United States plays a huge part of what's going on in the world and even in prophecy, um, along with Israel and other places. But one of the things that's very difficult for the people in the United States, especially those who follow the Lord in the Bible, we tend to look at everything through our eyes and we forget that there are people all around the world right now that are actually winning souls to Yeshua. There's actually revivals going on. People in Israel actually coming to know the Lord. Brother Zev uh, Barat over there, uh, who has been doing amazing work and just praise God and all people all over in South America and China and in Africa I mean there are explosions India has huge places of revival um, I have a friend who was over there a few years ago told me and I know it for a fact he wasn't just making up but some other people there we knew too they saw Pentecost literally happen 3,000 souls gave their life to the Lord over 3,000 I think it was it was absolutely unbelievable it was just amazing but sometimes we just see only Bible prophecy through the eyes of the United States and folks don't forget that you got to read the word you got to look what's going on all around the world and understand that God has a people everywhere And he has a work for us to do. And so tonight's message about the return of the spirit of Elijah is very, very timely. And so let's jump right in. If you have your Bible, if you jump to Matthew chapter 17, and starting in verse 1, and I'm going to begin reading there after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as light and behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him then answered Peter and said unto Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here if thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles one for thee one for Moses and one for Elijah while he yet Spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And they lifted up their eyes, and they saw no man save Jesus. So here they were, up on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember the story well. The disciples were in shock. They had never seen Jesus yet in his glory and all of his uh, amazing majesty, and they were absolutely just blown. Their minds were absolutely just in in utter uh, shock from what had just happened. And so out of ignorance you know peter says well why don't we make 3 tabernacles and you know the heavenly father wasn't going to be having any of that at that moment and so he was like you know um no this is my son He's the one that I want you to hear right now. Nobody else except my son. And so the father was making it very clear that the only one that we are to be listening to in these hours specifically is our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And so here it comes. And his disciples, you know, and so Jesus continues on. And and remember, they're in shock. And and not only are they in shock, but they're kind of confused a little bit, too. And so listen to what they actually respond back. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? That's a legitimate good question. You know, Jesus. Jesus, why are they? Why do the scribes all say to us, "Hey, Elijah must surely come"? Okay, they just saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now they're confused. They don't know what to do. And so Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah uh, says, "Um, uh, uh." And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall come. Uh, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise, also the Son of Man suffered of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. So here Jesus, seeing their confusion, shares with them, listen, listen, okay, Elijah this is not just, you know, some physical prophecy of a literal return of Elijah. Although, folks, I'm not saying Elijah can't literally come back at the end of time. You know, he could be one of the two witnesses. I'm not saying he couldn't, but but that's not what Jesus is talking about specifically right here, okay? What he was trying to share with them was about the spirit and the power of Elijah, that John the Baptist was walking in that blessing and anointing of Elijah was all over John the Baptist because I don't know if you remember I think a lot of people forget and this prophecy confuses them because they forget what the angel said unto Zacharias when he was in the temple there so let's turn with me to Luke chapter 1 and verse 11 and I want to look and see what the angel said unto Zacharias while he was in the temple verse 11 says this and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense and when Zacharias saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him but the angel said unto him fear not Zacharias for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John for thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink so interesting thing here he says listen this son coming forth okay He's not just some ordinary child, all right. Uh, but he is to not—he is to be raised in the vow of a Nazarite. I don't want you to cut his hair. He's not to drink any wine. This guy is to live holy, set apart unto the Lord. And so, but then he adds on. He says, "And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb." Now, just a little quick side note, folks. I know so many people like to tell us how to get filled with the Spirit, and I, believe me, there are very th- good things that we can do, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But the Lord shows specifically in the new covenant uh, He t- shows that the people can be filled with the spirit in the womb, be filled with the spirit before baptism at baptism uh at the conviction of hearts, which happened you know and 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 or it can happen even after somebody is baptized. We see all these different examples of the spirit of God falling on people before they are even baptized. And now we're showing even in the womb. So don't put, don't put God into a box as to when he can fill somebody with the spirit of the living God. Because just because you haven't seen that person in church yet doesn't mean that they're not walking in the spirit of the living God. Amen. And so many of the children of Israel, it says in verse 16, uh, shall he turn to their Lord their God? Now, folks, let me, before I go any farther, let me see this about being filled with the spirit. There is a partial fulfillment that I believe happens to many people many times when they accept the Lord there in even of birth every man's given a measure but there is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and there are times when we need to actually seek after the Lord and ask him to fill us with the fullness of his Holy Spirit. And so that is something that we should be seeking after daily, nonstop. See, God sometimes wants to see, are you really in this thing? Are you just a one hit wonder and then you're gone? And then, oh, well, you'll be back in a little while when you you hit empty again or when you swung out or your finances are gone. Or are you really after this thing called being filled with the Spirit and walking with the Lord? Anyways, continue in verse 17. It said he shall go, it says, in, or excuse me, verse 16, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make people ready and prepared for the Lord. Now, isn't that Interesting. So the angel tells Zacharias that, listen, your son is coming to not just walk and to do these different things, but he is going to be working in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And so he makes it very clear that this prophecy was not something that's just Physical. This is a spiritual prophecy here and that John the Baptist is walking in that fullness. He's coming to call people back, to call them to obedience. Did you hear that? The disobedient to wisdom? He's calling the children. See, you you can see today why we need the spirit of Elijah with the way children are acting and what's going on today. But the angel was simply just relaying this ancient prophecy and applying it to John from the book of Malachi in chapter 4. If you want to turn there, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4 It says this, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming in the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So it's interesting, before he actually says this, he says, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him um, in, the, in in Horeb. You remember, God gave commandments. He made things going on. And then he says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So we know this is actually a twofold prophecy because Jesus said it happened with Elijah, but in Malachi it says this is also coming right before the day of the Lord actually happens. And the interesting thing about it is that people will come back to a time where they begin to obey and follow God's commands. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I just get so blown away today by people think you just don't have to follow what the Lord says. Well, brother, that's old. We don't, you know, we don't, the Ten Commandments, that's that's old. That's nailed to the cross. Okay, so you, it's okay to go out and, and to covet your neighbors. good. See, the, the commandments are not. Not only are good, but they're for our neighbor's protection. When you follow the commands and the precepts of God, you know you can. You wouldn't believe what the Lord will do. It's interesting, you know. I people get, oh, brother Frank, you know, you can eat whatever you want in the New Testament. That's fine. That's your choice, vote. But if you ever look at all the things God said not to eat in the Old Testament, they're the things that cause cancer today in this world. You go out here and get sick with cancer. They will pull you off of pork and shellfish right away. Now, I'm not talking about this, about your salvation. I'm talking about the things God commanded me. We're for our actual good and for our health and our well-being. But people get so upset, man, when I talk about those kind of things, because like, no, 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 we can do whatever you want. That's fine. But you might meet the end of your life a lot earlier than you were expecting to. So you see, Jesus was alluding to this, that before the Lord's return, that the spirit of Elijah, should we say the ministry of Elijah, would be present and manifested before not only in Jesus' first coming, but in the future, as the Lord alluded to, his disciples after the Mount of Transfiguration. See, John the Baptist said that he was the one who was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. He was the voice in the wilderness. See, John's ministry was effective in prepping the people for Jesus... But there seems to be a greater fulfillment of this even in the future. You see, the book of Malachi specifically stated, as I said earlier, that this is going to happen before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. See, the time is coming where, in, in the very end of time, when we have children, you know, it's, and it's actually happening right now, that we have our children in rebellion, that parents are against each other, family members are against each other, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter. Uh, uh, You know, deception is everywhere in the church. People who you may have thought were one time on the right path end up being your actual enemies. Has anybody experienced that lately? I know I have. In the midst of all this chaos, though, the spirit of Elijah will break forth and turn the hearts of many back to God. You see, the spirit of Elijah is about revival. See when brokenness sets in and repentance comes forth in god 's people, hurts begin to get healed, and offenses start to be forgiven. You see, there is all this falling apart going on in the world, but that 's not the way it's supposed to be amongst god 's people. Yes, there will be wheats and tares always in the church the Bible talks about, but you know what we are we are to come out of the world. We are to be separate, touch not the unclean thing, and in the body of Messiah, we are to love and to respect and to care for one another. But see, the spirit of Elijah is not only about revival and repentance, but it's about a call truly to decision, folks. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. We visited here just briefly a few weeks ago, but we took it a different way. And I want you to look at this again because this right here is talking specifically. Of this is at something I believe it is for this very hour, this very moment that we live in right now. First Kings chapter eighteen, starting in verse seventeen. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandment of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat in Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So here Elijah comes up to Ahab. He says, you know what? This is enough. Man, what's going on here is crazy, okay? I, we're, we're gonna settle this now once and for all. Get, I want you to go get the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the groves, go get them all together and go grab all these backslidden, half-hearted, uh, children of Israel that have been involved in this false Baal worship. All these people that have been, you know, messing around, just playing with the Lord, bring them up here and we're going to settle this once and for all. And so Elijah came to the people and said in verse 21, how long halt ye between two opinions? So imagine Elijah's here, right? He's working in the fullness of the Spirit and the power of Elijah. He is Elijah, and there's an anointing on him from the Lord. And he's looking at the people out there. He's looking at the false prophets of Baal and the groves, and he's looking over here at the half-hearted children of Israel who have been sitting on the fence, and he's looking at out. and He's saying, how long are you going to sit on the fence? How long halt ye between two decisions? You think you can sit here and take this Baal worship and take the worship of Yahweh and intermix it together? How long halts ye between two opinions in your life? And then he just breaks it down. He says, listen, let's just make this clear. If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Why? Because they knew they were guilty. See, Elijah was calling God's people out because they were so intermingled with this Baal worship, so much lies and deception and intermixing of the true and the false worship together, that this new form of religion which had appeared in the land of Israel, a form that says you can have the true and the false together and call it church. You can mix the world with holiness and call it godly. You can have God and Baal on the throne at the same time and call it worship. And we bring this reality, folks, truthfully, listen, we bring this reality into our modern day churches, into our homes, into our lives, and we realize that the same thing that was going on back there in Elijah's days, the same thing that's going on in the churches and in homes in the United States today by those who call themselves believers, See, we've been taught for so long in churches that the pastor is the leader of the church instead of Jesus, and as soon as a pastor leaves a church or he messes up or has a fall, the people are completely crushed because they've been taught to rely on a man instead of the man, the only one, the Lord and Savior Jesus. See, we talk so often about Jesus being the head of the churches or the head of our house, but do we actually mean that? You see, if we can't put Jesus as the head of our own lives, how are you ever going to put him as the head in your own church, or in your own home fellowship, or in your own worship? See, if you can't let him run your life, then how are you going to let him do something else? You see, the spirit of Elijah is a call to each one of us as to who is running our lives, who's leading our walk, who's in charge of our actions. See, so many people today say you can live however you want to live because God made you that way. Therefore, you have no right to deny me my pleasures. God made me this way. And that's fine if that's what you want to believe. But Christ says, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, you can't just go on and do what you want to do and think that you don't have to obey and follow what the Lord says. That's ludicrous. That's madness in life. And so God is asking simply, who is the person running your life? Who is the one that's in charge of the church that you are currently attending? That might be a question you might want to ask your pastor. See, God is trying to get our attention in this last hour so we can be effective for him to ask us a very simple question. Who is the God of our lives? See, God understands, this is the amazing thing, folks, God understands the messes that we get ourselves trapped into, and he knows we get ourselves stuck in ways sometimes that we just cannot simply get out of, and he knows we get hooked on things or, or stuck in our technology or whatever it might be, and he knows we get ourselves trapped and we begin to get in this place and position like we start to wonder, well, can I ever actually get out of this? You know, God didn't wake up to your problem that you're in right now this morning and say, oh my, I, I didn't see that coming. No, the Lord knew where you were at and knew what was going on. And he's calling out and saying, hey, listen, man, stop. Stop what you're doing. Who is God in your life? See, I remember I heard a preacher say one time, you know, how big is God in your life? Is he big enough to tell you what to wear? Is he big enough to tell you what to do? Is he big enough to tell you how to walk or how to, how to talk to people? Is he big enough to tell you what to watch on TV? Is he big enough to tell you not to watch TV? See, that's the question. How big is God in your life? Because if he's truly God, then whatever he says will be received happily and followed. But God knows the human nature. He knows we get messed up. He knows we get in bad spots. And he's so merciful. And so he continues here on Mount Carmel in verse 23. And, and he says, let them therefore give us, this is Elijah speaking, two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all the people spoke and said, it is well. So you see, Elijah says, you know what, fine, that's it. We need to come to a decision. All right, you prophets of Baal, you put your sacrifices up there. All right, go ahead, lay them all out. And I'm going to lay mine out. And not only am I going to lay mine out, but I'm going to pour some water over it. I'm going to pour a whole lot of water over it. And I'm going to drench this whole place. And you know what? The God that answers by fire, we're going to let him be God. You see, sometimes, folks, the only way God can get through to his people is is to answer by fire. You see, sometimes God, we get in this terrible predicaments of this half-hearted, backslidden, whatever it may be, and we get trapped, or, or somebody's coming after us, or something's happening wrong to us, and we, we, so we get in this huge pity party, or we get trapped in some sin that we seem to can't get out, and we're like, God, how can you help? And the Lord says, you know what? You're so messed up. The only way I can reach you is by answering with fire. Sometimes God has to put us into God situations, God sized situations that only he can deliver us from. And so we're looking like, man, I can't believe all this stuff is going on. I can't believe only all this. I can't seem to get out of it. And folks, you're not going to get out of it, but God will get you out of this. If you will give him time, I don't know how he's going to get you out and he might not answer it the way you want to. But folks, sometimes the only way the Lord can truly get you back on the right path is by answering by fire, and Elijah was in a God-sized situation. The only way the Lord could be vindicated that day in front of all the eyes of the people is that if he answered by fire and nothing in Elijah's flesh could do what he was asking the Lord to do. And that's how God works sometimes, folks. He puts us in these intense situations and because he's ready to do something unbelievable, but it's until we can finally get to the place where we say, God, I cannot physically do it anymore that he answers by fire. Now, you see what's interesting here is here God is using his servant Elijah to call back this people, right? He said, listen, if God is God, then, then let him be God. He's trying to call the people back to ask them, who is the God of your life? And the almost unbelievable thing is, is that his very name was his very call, You see, Elijah is truly just an absolutely fabulous uh, junction of the two most common appellatives of God in the absolute Bible is amazing. The word El, which is the common abbreviation of Elohim, meaning God, or God's plural, and the abbreviated abbreviated form of Yahweh, or the tetragrammaton of Yah, uh, which literally means, according to the Norse, The Nopsey study Bible uh, literally renders it Yahweh or the Lord, as it says in the King James, is God or my God is Yahweh or El. See, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. Isn't he just awesome? He's calling the people back to have them put God as the Lord in their lives by the man whose very name means Yahweh is God. It's just unbelievable. You see, the spirit of Elijah, when it rests on people, is about calling people back to a decision to put God back in their lives as the head of their lives. And So Elijah was a living testimony as to who God is even in his own life. So Elijah's calling the people back to the Lord Himself as a witness in His own name as to who is God, but also in His actions and life as to who is God. And it was in the fire that this message was finally received and the decisions were made as to whom the people were going to serve. You see, God is so unbelievable. That even in these undeserving half-hearted people, he sends back a man with the exact name of what he is calling them to do. Hallelujah. Now, the interesting thing is when Brother Benjamin brought this up a couple weeks ago when he was studying Zechariah, it just hit me by like a ton of bricks. Zechariah 13. So I want to jump in there for just a second. Verse 8 and 9. Listen to what it says. And it shall come to pass, then all the land, said the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein, and I will bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried. So here the Lord is saying very, very specifically, what's going to happen in the last days is bad. It's tough. A lot of people are going to die. But the third part, I'm telling you what, I'm bringing them absolutely through the fire. Because it's in the fire, that is, that is where the impurities are cooked out and they're baked out. It's in the fire when people are finally willing to let go of their sin. It's in the fire where people are willing to say, the Lord is God. And so he said, in that fire, in that purification time, in that trials that you're in right now, it says that these people will call on him and he will hear them. And then he says, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my god hallelujah do you see what's happening here this is all tied in together with the spirit of elijah working in the last days calling the people back to decision and when they get called back to decision in the fire the bible says that they call on him and they say that lord is my god they're actually shouting out elijah See, that the name Elijah literally means the Lord is my God or Yahweh is my God. Hallelujah. See, that here in the end times, God is saying, listen, I'm taking them through the fire. I'm going to refine them. I'm going to set them, purify them. And in the midst of that fire, they are going to shout out Elijah. The Lord is my God. The compromise has gone on for too long and God will have nothing to do with it. And I mean, any, he will do anything to save his people, even if it means taking them through the fire. See, it's in the fire of the tribulation that God's people will begin to call again on him out of the fire, out of the hardship that will finally begin to shout, the Lord is my God, and they will say back, Elijah. The Lord is my God. Hallelujah the very thing that they shall say is the meaning of the man's name who the spirit shall rest heavily upon again in this final last days when the return of the spirit of Elijah hits the church and the people to call back to decision you see when the church shouts Elijah folks when the church shouts the Lord is my God when God's people and the remnant say the Lord is my God it is then that the decisions have been made and hearts have been changed and the people say enough is enough my trials I can't take them anymore I've got to have God back in my life I don't want anything else except Jesus leading me I don't want anything else in the church except for the Lord leading and it's when they begin to shout out that the devil begins to shake because the slaughter of his army is coming very soon folks the prophets of Baal will be slaughtered again and will be destroyed from amongst the living when God's people begin Begin to shout out Elijah, the Lord is God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. You see, so many of you, 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 you've been going through these tribulations lately because you've, you've emailed me and you, some of you have comforted me when I went through my tribulations and, and what you gotta realize right now is that God is refining and He's purifying and He's preparing because the Spirit of Elijah is a call back to who is the one that is running your life right now. See, there's all these meetings going on. There's all this stuff going on, these conferences and these prophetic things. But the fact is, just hearing that stuff is of no value if God is not running your life. Who is the head of your life? But the rest of the spirit of Elijah is very important and something we cannot miss. See, there's a second half to this too. It's the part about making the call. You see, the Bible said specifically, just like Elijah said, or John the Baptist said when he was here on the earth, that he was the voice in the wilderness crying out prepare ye the way of the Lord see the Lord always prepares his way before he returns and that means he needs a people that are willing to go out there and make a call because part of the spirit of Elijah is getting out there and warning the people it's now the time to turn back to God See, if if all we do is simply, as I just said, listen to the messages and we never share the good news, we never call people to decision, we never ask people to make a change in their life, then your walk with the Lord is simply only about you and you don't really care about other people because if we care about other people, then we will share the good news of the soon coming of our Lord and Savior because God is asking us to tell people the same gift that he's given you. He wants to share with others because it's the only hope that people have in this dying world. And the spirit of Elijah is a spirit that rests upon the people of God in these last days to call the world back to decision. Because there are people out there that are still going to come to faith. There are people out there that still need to make a choice. And there are people out there in the churches that have been walking on the fence and God say, you know, I have a people out there that are willing to prepare the way because see they're preparing it already in other countries. People are preparing the way as we speak, but we see things sometimes through America and we, and we forget that folks, we need to catch up. We need to catch up. God is calling out for a people that are willing to call people to decision. Not in anger, not in strife, not in high-mindedness, but in love. See, it was loving for Elijah to get up there and ask them, how long halt ye between two decisions? They tried, see, nothing was, nothing was grabbing their attention in this half-hearted worship they were into. And sometimes God just has to call it out as it is. You know, in the book of Jude, the Lord lays it out so absolutely clearly about the ways we reach certain people. Especially, I believe, in these last days, uh, as we're coming to the very end, the Lord says this. This is what He says, and He says, and with some Jude twenty verse, uh, chapter twenty, or excuse me, verse twenty-two. And if some have have compassion, making a difference, some people we need to just show love to, right? And he says, others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh some people just need to be told straight up man the path you're heading down is leading you in the wrong direction wake up wake up that's what god was doing through the spirit of elijah he's calling people back to decision and he needs people that are willing to be witnesses in these last days well i don't know about you but I've been through some hardships lately, and I know some of you that have emailed you, you've gone through some pretty tough things, too. But, folks, I want to tell you right now, and, 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 and maybe it's not just a trial. Maybe you're in a self-inflicted trial, okay? And trust me, a lot of trials are self-inflicted. Maybe you're trapped in something right now. And maybe you feel like you're just hitting the bottom of the bottom and you don't know if you can ever get out of this. Folks, I'm here to tell you, the Lord is going to answer. And sometimes it's by fire. Because it's only in the fire that we are finally willing to let go of what's going wrong in our lives. You see, God doesn't care how bad you've messed up. He was giving opportunity on that mountain that day to absolutely anybody that would hear the word of the Lord. That message wasn't just for the children of Israel. That message was from anybody. If the Lord be God, then let him be God. You see, some of us we get so trapped in our in our failures and our, and thinking we can't move out of this place that we've been in that we begin to only get tunnel vision and and we start to actually think, well, I I don't think God can ever deliver me, folks. I can't, don't ever, don't ever say that about your God. His His arm is not too short that it can't save. See, sometimes so it's, it's, it's not until we're in that point that we hit the very bottom that we will finally look up and say, God, I can't do any more. I, you must come through. See, sometimes we are so stubborn that God has to let us hit the very, very bottom before we will let go of what's going on in this world. But it's at those moments that we begin to cry that he says, I hear And when he hears, he answers back, filling you with his spirit so that you can cry out, the Lord is God. Folks, we are living in the days of Elijah. And it's time to prepare the way of the Lord. We need to make straight the Lord's path. And some of us, we've been in some tough times, but it's time today to make the decision. Who is the God in your life? And God is asking you to not put this off any longer. You need to make a decision, folks. We need to make it now. The Lord is coming. Times are going to get bad. There are things coming on this earth that you will in no wise be able to handle on your own. But God can. And he will. If you'll let him. As my wife I mentioned a few weeks ago reminded me in the midst of my trial why am I not praising the Lord thank God that my wife was there to remind me of that truth folks the Lord is calling us tonight by the spirit and the power of Elijah through his servant that he did the first time he's calling us back again who is God in your life well I'll tell you who the one is in my life his name is Yeshua Hamashiach the Son of the Most High, the ancient of the days. And I don't know about you, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Folks, if you need some help, you need some prayers, I know um, sometimes I've getting you know I get a little bit busy, it takes me a while to respond back to email, but please do send me an email that I can pray over them. And I know that many of you pray for me. And this is Brother Frank with the remnant call saying good night and shalom. The has made you His delight. Has made you His delight. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound it on the mountains. the trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. the trumpet in Zion, sound it on the mountains. the trumpet in Zion. Oh,